We are creatures of desire. What we most desire is meaning. What makes us suffer most is a lack of meaning. The Meaningful Life with Andrew G. Marshall. Marital therapist, author, and communications trainer Andrew G. Marshall invites guests from all walks of life to discuss what makes life meaningful. Hello, I'm Andrew G. Marshall. Welcome to The Meaningful Life. We're available on Apple, Spotify, Podbeam, Amazon Music, and wherever you find your podcasts. Today, we're dealing with one of the most difficult relationship topics and potentially the most dangerous, mismatch levels of sexual desire. Just so there's no confusion, I'll take this out of marital and sexual therapist language. One partner wants sex more than the other. Many couples go through phases after the initial fireworks of falling in love where one is more in the mood. But with mismatched levels of desire, it can harden into opposite positions. One wants it desperately and the other can take it or leave it. In the short term, it's easy to play down the problem and muddle along. But over time, it can lead to sulking, pestering and basically lying there and sending the message, if you must, but get it over with as quickly as possible or just shutting up shop completely. Mismatched levels of sexual desire can lead to infidelity, hiring prostitutes and relationship breakdown. Although I do work with couples where the woman has the desire and the man is less interested, it's often the man who finds himself in the pestering position. What I tell my couples is that they're both right. Nobody should be forced to have sex they don't want, and nobody in a loving relationship should be asked to do without the sex they do want. So lots of men in complete frustration reply, I love and desire my wife, but she's not interested. What should I do with my sexual energy? I can't push it down forever. It's a great question. That's why I was interested to meet my witness, Fabian Edzard Schneider, at the European Men's Conference this summer. He trained and qualified to lead groups here in Germany 20 years ago, and over the past 10 years has focused on leading men's groups. His wife was pregnant at the time of our meeting, and he told me about his one-hour-plus programme of self-pleasuring, giving himself sexual pleasure, which he saw as a necessary tool for the coming months. Fabian's son is now two months old. How's it going, Fabian? Very well. Thank you for the introduction, Andrew. It's a pleasure to be here. For all the listeners, I'm a German-speaking fellow, so my English is not so perfect. And I might stumble within the podcast, so please excuse. And it's going well, Andrew. It's going well. My son is now two months old and my sexual energy is full there. But I can't live it right now with my wife because she's not in the mood. Well, I wouldn't even say she's not in the mood, but she has a different agenda as most couples who have children might have come across. You know, after a woman gives birth to a child, her body is... Uh, tired and and has to heal also there's a little baby who is well my wife is also breastfeeding which is a great thing of course and then she's also she doesn't really need to be sexual right now there is physics there is no physical need because she has a baby all the time in her lap or you know on her breast and she has a lot of touches so, so her oxytocin level is very high so she doesn't really need much touching much more touching even it stresses her if there's more more um, physical contact than with a baby 
and uh, her body is uh, healing, you know. And then there is no sex with my wife, but that doesn't mean that I can't be sexual. And I think to give people the full picture, you've also got a three and a half year old son as well, who's probably asked your wife's attention rather a lot at the moment as well. So yeah, true, true. But actually, he asks for my attention right now. But this is another topic. <laughs> We could go into this, of course, as well. But um, this is another matter. No, my 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 first son. He's um, he really needs my attention now. I th I think this is my responsibility as a father right now, which I for see for the first time, which I didn't know before so strongly. That if a second child is there, the first child needs the father to spend time with because the mother is occupied, obviously. And I'm assuming that in the later stages of pregnancy, your wife wasn't really very interested in sex either. Now, the later stages were all right. Let's say there was sex going on especially towards the end, because um, the child was late and then it's a good thing to have sex, to bring the child out basically, to um, because there's a biological reason for this, which I don't even know, but the, the male um, ejaculation has some hormones in it which trigger the birth or so. So th this was all right and we had sex regularly because we, you know, we are in a long-term relationship and really plan our sex dates. So we, we put it in our, in our calendar and really have make time for it. Right now, there's nothing going on. As I said, right? No, no sex going on, at least not between the two of us. But before the birth, we had an active sexual life and it will come back, I guess, after six months or so, you know, when the, when the baby's a little more grown and starts to, when the breastfeeding gets less and less, the sex will, will come again. That was my experience with the first son, at least. Because actually, one of the most dangerous times for couples, as far as their sex life is concerned, is when they have two children under five, because it sort of takes about two or so years, three years for the levels of oxytocin to go back down to normal after pregnancy. And that's just about the time that most people start to have a second child. So people are actually starting for the second child at this point, and then another child comes along. And then there's an, so that effectively, beyond a brief bit in the middle, there's sort of five years where babies are really at the absolute forefront. Very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know about the biological background, but of course I can agree to this. Definitely. The sex has gotten less and has a different quality than before our first baby was born. So you have this one hour, I'm going to call it luxury self-treatment, self-pleasurizing. I mean, I didn't ask you this question at the time because we were in the middle of a conference and, you know, it was a bit of a personal question to ask. So I'm going to ask it to the whole of the world instead. You know, <laughs> what, what happens in this hour? Because, you know, I mean, I can imagine a little bit of it, but how is it going to last for an hour? So fill me in, so to speak. Actually, it can last much longer. You know, it's not about an hour, really. It's not an hour program or so. It's just a, an act of self-pleasuring or an, an act of masturbation, you could call it, but without the usual stuff. So I'm not watching porn with it. I'm not rubbing myself in five minutes into ecstasy or something like this. But actually, ecstasy doesn't happen if you if you rub yourself. No, but I, I really pleasure myself. And it's connected actually to a bigger um, attitude towards sexuality. What happens is really not so important. I mean, what happens is I focus on my body, really. I focus on pleasuring myself with my hands, possibly with tools. But basically, I focus on my body, on my physical, on my whole body. 
So not just your, I think this is really important to get across. We're not just looking at the penis when we're talking no. about the body. We're talking about everything. You're not a piece of meat attached to a penis. Exactly. That's very, very important. I focus on my whole body and it's more like I massage myself, I touch myself and maybe 10 minutes of this one hour are focused on my penis or on my, on my uh, sexual, um, Uh, on my balls and penis and so on. Sorry, I don't know the English words for it. I'm not so good at that, but you, you understand. So the sex region of my body is really not the main focus. It's also not the focus to ejaculate, which is very important. It's more to give myself pleasure with my hands, you know, be good to myself with my hands. Basically, this is what I'm doing. And this takes time. I, I start with a meditation. Usually I do the first phase of the Kundalini meditation, which is a very nice thing. You know, I just shake. Maybe your listeners know it, maybe not. It's just an, an exercise where I shake a little bit, where, where I come down, where I close my eyes, where I feel my body. And then I get into mood. You know, I get into the mood and I basically have sex with myself, but in a very, very nice way. And I, I do not focus on during this time on any orgasm or ejaculation that's not so important that might come at the end but it's not it's not the goal it's not the aim if it comes it's nice but it doesn't have to be so what are you visualizing all this time i'm i'm sort of suspecting you're not actually thinking of breasts jiggling around no no i'm i'm not visualizing anything Actually, visualizing is not a good idea, in my opinion, because you detach yourself. You, the sex then takes place in your brain, not in your body. So basically, I, I feel my body. That's what I'm doing. I feel into myself and I really see what my body wants to tell me and wants where it wants to take me. It's really a, really a free-flowing thing. And to have images is not the same, but it comes close to watching porn. You know, it's, it's basically, it, it takes you away from your, from your physical experience and you think about something which, which is not real also. So it, it doesn't make sense to me. So the German phrase is you go into Kopfkino, which Kopfkino, is, uh, exactly. <laughs> which, which is cinema in your head. And we don't want to go into Kopfkino. We want you to actually be in your body. So yeah, yeah. give me an example of where your body might take you and might tell you that it wants to be pleasured. Okay. It, it really depends, right? It, the thing is, let your body flow, let your body go. And usually I start when I'm, I stand. I do my little meditation and so on. And then I usually have a cushion with me, a meditation cushion where I can sit on for a while. And I'm naked, of course. And I, in the beginning, I often have a, a piece of cloth around my waist, you know, just to be having good energy. My, I put a lot of warmth in my room. So I put on the heating, make it comfortable, put on soft light, good music. You know, all this is important. Make a good atmosphere. Really the same I would do if I have a sex date with my wife or if I would go around, check the girls, I would have a sex date with a girl as I had in my, in my earlier days. That's what I'm doing. I really prepare myself. I shower, you know, I'm, I, I look that I'm clean and then I really feel well. I put on perfume and all that you know really you can make it an art be good to yourself you know be happy as if i prepared for a romantic evening with a woman and then i just do it with myself so i start standing have a piece of cloth around and then later i will sit down and it's very meditative really i, I start to inhale and exhale very deeply uh, this helps me to get into my body and then later i might lay down but also i might get up again Sometimes I even dance a little bit, jump around or whatever, you know, really it's not, there is no, and there shouldn't be, I say, that's what I always tell my participants because it's also part of my training when I, I have a, I have a men's training running, right? Right. And it's one important part, this self-pleasuring exercise. And there shouldn't be 
prescription or so. Just let it flow. That's also the best tip I have if you have sex with your partner, especially in a long-term relationship. Don't make it a, a standard program. You know, basically the, the things I do with myself, I um, transport them into my sex life with my wife. If we have sex again or so, I, tr I transport this into that, into that, into my sex life and also, also into my life. Actually, you know, this is also a kind of attitude for life because the more you, you go into this, the more you make a program out of it, a fixed thing, the more you take away from the sexuality, from the sensuality, you know? So you talked about tools as well. What do you mean by tools? There are very great um, tools you can use as a man, vibrators. Well, if you go into this a little bit, you can also include parts of your body which are very sexual. For example, the part between your anus and your um, balls. I don't know how it's called. Uh, the, you know where the prostate is basically behind. Because the prostate is a very good sexual organ, you can stimulate it. So I think it's called the perineum. And you can stimulate that very successfully with a vibrator. Totally, totally. You can do it internally or externally. It doesn't matter. There are very good things on the market. But, you know, this makes people often afraid. If I tell my participants about these tools and so, they are not so important. There can be an add-on. If you practice for a while, for, I don't know, for a year of, like in my case, for 10 years, then you can start finding new ways. It's just like you can be open to everything that, that is there because Actually, there's a lot there. There's a lot out there, like for this kind of thing, you know. And what about sort of sensual things? Like, for example, if you're wearing a sarong, which is the piece of cloth, can you sort of move that up and down yourself? Because actually, sometimes after a massage, people will pull a cloth off you. And if they pull it off very slowly, it's a very sensual sort of kind of experience. So I'm wondering if you use other sort of different fabrics and sensations on your body Totally. Well. You can all, yes, yes, I, I have done, I did and I still do. It depends. It depends on your mood. Sometimes I even hit myself, you know, doing it or, or massage myself uh, strongly. It, it, you can be soft. Mm -hmm. You can be strong to yourself. Basically, you do to yourself what you want, how your body feels, what, what feels good to yourself. If you need a massage, just massage yourself. If you need to ejaculate, just ejaculate, you know. If you if you feel like um, putting a sarong over your body, well, it's not really my thing maybe, but if you want to do it, just do it, you know. The thing I really tell my men is, uh, my men is the men who come to my workshops, is take away your the, the idea that someone else is there for your pleasure. You know, mm. do not think your wife is responsible for your pleasure or you can only have good sex with your wife or with a girl or with a woman. If you want to have good sex with a woman, start with yourself and stop making others responsible. Better make yourself responsible and then have good sex with yourself. And then it starts. And if you start with that, and if you, if you probably Google a little bit about it, then you find interesting things. There's another technique, which I really, it's a little advanced technique probably, but you can hold your perineum. I don't know if you can really um, hold it. If you feel like you go to the point of no return, you, you want to ejaculate because ejaculation is another matter we could talk about a little bit because it's not so, I think it's not so healthy, especially as older as you, as, The older you get, the less you should ejaculate because it takes away your energy. At least that's what how I feel. I'm 47 now, and um, the more I ejaculate, the less my my energy 
level is, right? So you should be very careful with that. And there is a good way to to not ejaculate, but still have a lot of fun with yourself. Have an orgasm, for ex if you want. If you, it's not an orgasm where you ejaculate. It's more inside a body flow orgasm or something like that. And there's um, a very good technique where you um, do not go to the 100%, but there is this point where you know, okay, now I come, right? Now, if I go one little bit more, I'll come. So at this point, really, um, how do you say If you if you tighten the muscle, how you call this in English? I think you would say clench your buttocks. Yes, clench your buttocks, but not the buttocks, but the perineum, right? The the part where you where you if you pee and you hold in your pee very yeah. quickly, is this yeah. the buttocks? So you no, that's the buttocks are as your bottom, so you're clenching your hole, and that often as you clench your hole, it will raise your balls. But what you're saying is when you're holding back pee, you can actually raise your penal sack, for want of a better word. Um, is that what you're talking about? <laughs> I, I, in, German, in German, it's called Beckenboden, right? It's what women train after they are pregnant, for example. My wife goes to this training, to Beckenboden yeah. yoga, you know. The Kegel muscle, then. This one. So This what I'm talking about. We, the we Kegel are back muscle. to clenching your hole. Okay, let's, say, let's put it like that. It doesn't really matter, you know. Okay, let's say clench your hole. And then try to visualize... And that's a good visualization, how your ejaculation is a good energy and goes into your body, not out of your body. And while you keep this clenched, and then there's, there's the, the level of, um, what's the word, of, of desire or so, it goes down a little bit, you know, and then you continue. If you go, go again until the point of no return, until the point where you need to come, you can again clench it, breathe in, breathe out, and let it let it flow through your body. It might sound a little weird or a little strange or so, if you, but these are things which you can develop, which you can evolve if you start with yourself. And it doesn't have to be so technical. It's just you start being good to yourself on all levels of life. And one part is the sexuality. Just change your masturbation habit. Stop the porn. This is the most important, probably. Start with that, right? First Stop of all. Stop the porn. Yeah, yeah. Very much so. Very much so. Stop the porn. <laughs> I can really say it's a, it's a one of the worst things that a man can do to himself. You know, I don't want to sound as a, as a, I don't know, wise teacher or so, but really... In my life, in my own experience, stop watching porn was as important as stop smoking cigarettes, for example. Right? It's really it has it has detrimental effects on your brain and on your on your health and on your on your way how you how you watch how you feel about yourself and about your sexuality, which is very important. So if you a lot of men come to me and say they want to have a better self worth, they want to enhance their love of themselves and all that, and I can understand, of course. And one important part is that you have to take away the shame from your sexuality. And a lot of shame is if you watch porn, right? It, it, it makes you shameful. You cannot tell others, basically. Yeah, men will talk about pornography in general, but they never, ever talk about what kind of pornography they watch and what actually happens in that pornography, because most people are ashamed of what they're watching. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So... You have a, a lot of men talking to you about sex. What do you think that women need to know and understand about men that they can't tell them? Because the education and the messages that men and women get about sex are entirely different. Men see sex differently from women is my experience. 
So what do you think women need to understand about men um, that would help both men and women? So here we are, two men. We've got lots of women listening. They're, they want to sort of understand us. What do they need to know? Well, to answer this, I have to address both genders differently. So women, yeah. listen, <laughs> your man wants to be seen. He wants to be valued. He wants you to think of him. He wants you to tell him that he's great, that he's a good lover, that you really get what you want from him, that he gives you all you need. That is what a man wants. He wants to feel desired. I know yeah. I know that sounds really pathetic, but he wants you to feel that he is wonderful. Absolutely. You know, your man wants you to see his greatness. He wants you to think that he's great, that he's the one, you know, that he's the only guy in your, in your life and that he's the one who can give it to you, basically, if it comes to sex, right? If it comes to sexuality. And sexuality is not disconnected from all the other parts of life. That also is true for all other areas of life. Give your man the feeling that he's good, that he's great, that you really love him. Tell him you are great. I really value your, the, the things you do. Tell him regularly. That will enhance your relationship for sure on a very basic level, right? To the men, I would say, men, do not focus on the women when you think about your sexuality. Neither try to get it from the woman. So do not focus on the woman, you know, like she has to give it to me, nor focus on making her. She is not the main focus. Do not try to make her feel good in the sexuality. Try to make yourself feel good, right? Focus on yourself and then take her into this love, uh, love making process. How can I say love play, you know? Take her in that and do not make her pleasure your top priority. It's very important. Make your own pleasure your, your top priority. Now, I can hear men saying, but isn't that a bit selfish? No, it's not selfish because... Um, in my, in my experience, your women will love that because that's what it is. You know, you meet and you, you, you exchange yourself basically in sexuality, right? And you have to be honest. You shouldn't be hiding yourself and wear a mask and try to make, try to fulfill the other one. That's not the point. Be yourself and do what you like. Of course, go not over your partner. It's not, it's not like, you, of course, you have to be with your partner. You have to feel the other person, of course. What are her boundaries? What are her... Of course, this is clear. I, I'm not talking about, you know, go over borders or of the other one, you know. But make yourself a priority. That's very important. And I'm thinking that if you're actually being in contact with your own sexuality and your own body... And not just your penis, because remember, there is more to your body than your penis, that you're less likely to be just focused on her breasts and vagina. Because what a lot of women say to me is possibly, I mean, I might be being a little cruel and saying within 10 seconds, but I'm probably not exaggerating very much, that they're touching the sexual parts. And that makes many women feel like, She's just her her sexual organs rather than a whole person that's uh, there and wants to be made love to. Yeah, totally. That's what I mean, right? Start with yourself. Start with the self-pleasure. Because you can count, you know, count the times you did masturbation and count the times you, you actually made love to a partner. You got laid, as the English say, right? I think that's an English term. So... Um, Calculate. I often ask my, my, my participants this question. How often did you 
masturbate in your life? Have you been masturbating? How often have you really made love? And usually the ratio is one to seven in uh, in average, one to seven, uh, seven times masturbation <laughs> to one. But for some guys, it's like one to one uh, hundred, right? Or one to one, or, or whatever, you know. For some, it's one to one or so, whatever, you know. But in average, it's one to seven. So um, start with yourself. Start with this, and then. If you meet a partner, if you have the chance to have a sexual meeting with your with a partner, with a wife, with a woman, <laughs> then start with yourself. Do not focus on on your orgasm. Focus on the play. Make it a little playful, right? Play with the energy. Play with the go into your body. Basically, do not make kopfkino. You know, no, not these things. So, yeah. so, what I'm just having trouble understanding is playing with your energy. So, can you sort of Take us through how that might be for you when you're playing with your energy in ways that I can understand. Because at the moment, I'm sort of only half following you, this idea of focusing on yourself when you're making love to a woman. Yeah, I can try. Let's say your arousal, right? You could label your arousal probably from one to 10. You could say, now I'm one aroused, now I'm 10 aroused. And 11 would be you ejaculate. Right, you know, your level of arousal. You could probably, this is a way to feel. The more you focus on your body, the more you focus on yourself, the more you get out of your head and into your body, you will automatically know what I mean. To help you image it, to give you a picture, you can have a scale from one to 10, your arousal level, let's say. And if you are on your top arousal level, that your energy is the highest, right? And if it's on a very low arousal level, it's, it's the lowest. And you can play with that. You can, you can go a little up, a little down, a little up, a little down. And the longer you do not go to over 10, the longer you can also make your love performance also. I'm level two, say. What would I be doing at level two? Try to get to level three. <laughs> yeah, I'm still having trouble understanding what I should actually be doing with my hands, with my body. It's so personal. It's so personal. You know, if you're on level two and you want to go to level three, start with your hands, touch one area of your body, whatever area, and really feel what makes you feel good at that area. What kind of touch feels good there, mm -hmm. right? And then give you this touch. And how can you make it better? How does it feel better? And then go to another area of your body. What touch does your, this area need? How can you make it better? How can you enhance your well-being when touching you? And you can do the same with your, with your sexual parts, right? What makes you feel good? What puts up your arousal? What makes it less? But not in your head, not visualizing, but with physical touch, right? Okay. And there are so many possibilities. Yeah. So I'm touching myself and I'm finding that, for example, playing with my nipples is <laughs> gently, is, or am I going too sexual too quickly? Yeah. And then I would start doing the same thing to my wife or what would I be doing? I'm, I'm, still, I'm still having trouble getting from myself well, into if, the if lovemaking. If that's the thing, you can do that with your wife, mm -hmm. with your woman. You can touch your nipples with your woman. <laughs> Show well, her I, I, I hope they don't take bits out of this podcast. It's really, really funny with my broken English to explain all this. But okay, you can do this in your in your bedroom. You can really do this in your bedroom. Just touch your nipples and then your wife see that it's great to you. So she might be doing it for you. She might go into this, you know, help you with it. Uh, and then you can uh, you can do the same with her and so on. Right. I'm beginning to understand now how 
it might seem selfish to be playing with your nipples, but you're actually showing your wife where you are and how you want to be touched. And you can encourage her to touch herself in a way that she wants to be touched. And then you can possibly migrate over to showing her how to be touched. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Now now I'm beginning to understand. Sorry, I'm a little bit slow. But um, I mean, this is the, the most incredibly difficult thing I find when I've got couples talking about sex is people don't want to be specific. They want to talk in generalizations. And the only way really to talk about sex is to be very specific and to actually say things like, you know, or show this is how I like to be masturbated, for example to actually tell your partner, you know, when you touch me here, um, and I'm now doing the hips, that is really nice. And when you stroke the back of my neck, that sends sparks through me. Because we don't actually know this information unless we're actually told and we're given feedback. It is really difficult. And what is really, really sad is people often do not what they really want to do, but what they know the other person doesn't mind. And you get into a point where you both do what you quite like and you know don't mind, and you don't go for the things that both of you really want because people don't ask themselves, what do I really enjoy? What do I want? Yeah, I totally agree. Communication is important. And I, I would say that communication is especially important in the beginning. You know, the more you have a feeling for the other person, you're in bed with, the less you need to talk. But to get that feeling, probably communication is a good start, right? I would also mm, say communication I'm, can take away a lot of... I'm going to disagree because I think that if you don't keep talking, you're dealing with old information because, you know, you might yesterday have enjoyed having your neck stroked, but today you might not be feeling it in the, the neck. I, yeah. I really think this is an ongoing dialogue Sorry, yeah, right. but I agree. We're have to disagree. I totally agree. I totally agree. But uh, probably you can also overtalk. I would say you should be open about this. That's the that's the point. You should be very open about yourself and about what you like and what you don't like. And you definitely should communicate this to your partner. But you should not, because then the, the danger is if you talk too much about sex or about your your sex life with your partner or the way you do sex with your partner, you can again be very in your head when you're doing, ah, oh, she likes to be stroked in the neck. Okay. So I stroke her in the neck all the time and all that. You know, it, it takes away the flow too. If you, if you, you know, so that's why I say do not over talk. Probably let your bodies take control basically. Right. That's the point of all of that. But yes, you should be open and yes, you should talk about it. Definitely. So how did you get interested in this field, um, working with men? And you do much more than just their sexuality. You do the full, the full, I was going to say the full Monty, which is. Absolutely. I'm, it's only a small part of my, of my training, really. And it's not my main focus too. Yeah. It's more a personal experience, what I'm sharing here, what, what I share very openly, but it also comes into my training. So I really, I work with men on the, all aspects of her personality. It usually starts with the question, what makes the man a man, right? I start usually with the aggression. So what, what connection does a man have to his own aggression, to his own aggressiveness? And how does he transport it into life? That's my, that's the start of my training. Then 
come psychological things like the relation to the father, the relation to other men. Then I quickly go into vision. So where, where does a man want to go? What, how does he want to put himself into life? What does he want to experience in life? Then you know, the men start taking steps toward that vision within the training. And then the last part basically is, are the women, is the female side. And then we start with the mother first, with the mother issues, which a lot of men have. And then the last part is sexuality. And actually what we are, what we have been talking about the whole podcast now is one little part, but it's a very important part when it comes to the actual relationship to long-term monogamous relationships. Because if you want to be in this kind of relationship, which makes a lot of sense in many aspects, but in the long run, you need some technique to keep yourself sexual. Because otherwise, it, the danger is there that it goes down. And if you rely on women for your sexuality 100%, you're going to be incredibly needy, like almost like a little boy going after her begging for it. And I don't yeah, think that's exactly. very good for a relationship. No, it's not at all good. If you are needy, it's never good. To be needy is never good. You should be clear about your needs. You should know what you need, but you shouldn't be needy. You should also know how to give it to yourself, right? How, sh how you should fulfill this need just by yourself, without the need of another person. And what we've been talking about is a perfect way to do this in the field of sexuality. And it's probably the most, I don't know, unknown thing, really. It seems to me it's a new world for most people. And uh, also it was for me a new world when I was introduced into this kind of thing, which, which has been like now 15 years ago and more even, nearly 20 years ago when I first had, had a contact with this idea. And the reason we're having this conversation is, you know, I suddenly thought, wow, this is a really important tool. And where do you hear about it? I mean, you know, this is the first time I've actually gone into this subject in detail. Yes, totally. And it should be so natural. It's the most natural thing. It's, it's a very important thing. They should teach it in school. And it's not a big thing. It's not something very, uh, how can I say, um, Ah, I'm missing the words. It's, it's not a big thing. It's just, it, it's very close to you. It's very, it's very natural. It's the driving force of your life, basically. So it should be taught in school. Yeah. <laughs> in a good but way. But then you need the teachers to do this, right? So this, uh, there's another problem there. But the big problem is twofold. Number one, men are trained to go into their brains rather than into their bodies. Totally. And secondly, they're given pornography, which just sends them into their penis. Yeah. And brain and penis together is not going to make a great lover, to be perfectly no, honest. No, not at all. And it's getting worse and worse. Take the um, availability of pornography these days and the days, I don't know, 20 years, 50 years ago. You know, the, the availability, it's just a mouse click away and it's really, it's a mess. Yeah, I, I'm old enough to remember when you had to sneak to the news agents and hope that they would actually sell you a top shelf pornographic magazine, which had like 20 images in it. That was it. And, yeah, yeah. you know, if you're lucky, you had five of those magazines. Well, you can see more images like those probably in two minutes on the internet now yes. than I saw all the way through my childhood. And you are, you are an experienced man, you know, and, but what does it do to the young boys? You know, just think about it. I mean, 11 year old boys, 12 year old boys, they all have access to this very easily. It's not a good thing. It's very, and it takes away so much, uh, so much of the natural beauty in it, right? It's really sad. It's really sad. And I'm working against it, really. You know, this is, these things, 
are really to work to, to stop this trend a little bit in the in the field, you know, in the in the in the men that I can that I can touch with my offerings. I have to tell you that Fabian works in German, so uh, you probably need to be a German speaker, but um, he has a great website and all the details of that will be in the show notes. But you will find there are other men working in this field too. He's not the only one. Yes, yes, um, totally. The important thing is to find them. So we're going to take a break and then we're going to come back with a letter. The Meaningful Life with Andrew G. Marshall. Please follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and visit our website, andrewgmarshall.com forward slash podcast, where you can join our supporters club and unlock bonus material and other benefits. So many ways of participating in The Meaningful Life. Um, you can go to my website, www.andrewgmarshall.com forward slash podcast. There you'll find details of how to sign up for my newsletter and how to participate by sending us a letter. And this is the one I've chosen for Fabian. My story is that my husband and I are not able to communicate without conflict with our almost 21-year-old son. There has been conflict ever since he was 16. He became a very heavy marijuana user and ignored our requests to not smoke in the house bedroom. At 18, he was caught with marijuana and ketamine in his car, and we helped him financially to get legal help so he wasn't convicted. He's now been caught with cannabis in his blood from a random drag driving test, and he will lose his license for three months. He's an apprentice electrician and needs his car to get to the job locations, which change every day. Once again, we're going to be helping him financially to reduce the loss of his licence or help him get to his job if this falls through. His dad asked him to leave in March this year due to his aggression and continued marijuana use in the house. He was able to move in with a friend's mum, but she also asked him to leave due to his marijuana use after two months. In June this year, he took magic mushrooms and had a trip where he believes he was able to see his whole life clearly. Later, he told us he was feeling very anxious and what he termed ego death, and it was the worst time in his life. He returned home and has been incommunicative, unresponsive, and walks out of the room if we ask him a question that is confronting. We did manage to have a conversation, and he told us he had a terrible childhood and that we were inept parents. He didn't feel safe when he was growing up. He doesn't want a relationship with us because he doesn't think there's any point because we don't understand him. He thinks I smothered him as a child and that I had too high expectations of the type of person I wanted him to be. He said he has inherited the worst traits of both of us, my emotions and his dad's anger. We're at a loss at how to move forward so we can have an honest and loving relationship with him. Fabian. So, as much as I can say from the letter, and of course it's easier said than done, right? What I would tell the mum, because actually there are three persons involved, the mum, the dad, and the boy or the, or the, the young man. First, I, because the mother has written the text, I would address the mum. And what I would tell her is you need to let go. Yeah. You need to let go of thinking you are responsible for your lives, uh, for your son's life. Find your own new life. Find a new passion. Let go of your son. Let go of the feeling of being responsible for him. Let go of your expectations for him. He's a young man now. He's 21 years. Concentrate. Let go of the feeling of having to help him, having to take him out of the, the, the shit, you know. 
Stop that. Concentrate on yourself. How old are you? Maybe the, the woman is 40 or 45 or 50, or maybe she's 60. Doesn't matter. What do you want to focus in your life now after having um, brought this young man into life? He's 21 years. What do you want to focus in your life apart from your son? Have an open heart for him. Open your heart in every situation, but let him become a man in his own way. Trust him and let go in love. It's very important, in my opinion, for the mother. To the dad, I would say, you are the role model for your son. You are the man, if possible, if possible, if your son lets you, because the, in the letter it said uh, he is incommunicative and he doesn't want contact and all that. But if possible, spend time with him. Spend time with him alone. But then within this time, show him your passions. Talk about yourself. Show your son your circle of male friends. Take him with you into your life. But focus on you when you speak to him. Focus, show you, your son your version of life. That's important. What are your positive values? How do you want the world to be? You know, how do you want to be? Talk to him about your life. Also, and this is maybe the most important, talk to him about the time when you were young, before your son was born. What did you want from life? What were your dreams? Which of your dreams did you give up for the relationship? How did you meet his mother? Which struggles did you have go through in life? What are your shames? What are your weaknesses? Right? Show your son yourself, your own man. Be real about you to him. And do not try to tell him how he should be. He can find out this in his own way. But focus on yourself and show him your version of being a man. And the son, the young man, the marijuana user, I would tell him it is important for yourself to find yourself into this world. You, you have to understand, you have to feel what is your mission? Why are you here in life? What are your goals in life? And to find that out, you have to break free. You cannot stay in your surroundings. You should leave. You are in a mess with this marijuana things. Stop it. Leave your hometown for a while. Never mind the apprenticeship. I would probably even cancel it, this electrician job there. You know, just finish it. If you really feel that it's your job, then go for it. But maybe better, if you do reluctantly go there, maybe leave it. Better to spend a year in another country. Go out. Go out into the world, working, traveling, doesn't matter. Your goal should be during that time, for a one year or for two years or so, to find out who you are, to find out why you live and to find out what you want from life. So change your environment, change your friends, stay away from the drugs as good as you can. I know it's not easy, but you will find a way. They will kill you eventually. Be clear about that or at least severely reduce your capacities and possibilities. So better to stay away from them. Then change your mindset about your parents. You should break free, but And it is okay if you need distance from them. That's very natural, actually. And you have to do this now. You have to make a distance between you and your parents. But honor them for what they are. And start with your father. What good has he brought into your life? List as many things as possible. Even if just small things. And let go of being a victim. Take responsibility, especially for your inner picture uh, of your parents. It's very important that you that you hold your parents highly. Their job regarding you is finished. They are done with you. You know, they have, they have done all for you. They could. And now it's your responsibility. Be your own man and break free and find out what you are here for. Yeah. That's basically what I would tell the three.
And I think you're entirely right to look at this as a sort of a system. At the moment, I think the focus is between the mother, who I must say, you know, you have a great big hug from both of us. This is really difficult stuff. And I think you did really well to actually get him to tell you these things. He he doesn't seem particularly uncommunicative to me. He seems to be very direct. You know, he's actually yeah. said, you know, what he has problems with. He has problems with your emotions and your father's anger. I mean, that is a real gift to be told this stuff. I mean, it's the most horrible gift going because we don't like those kind of gifts. But ultimately, it is a gift because he's told you what he had problems with. Now, I know there is an entirely different side that you did a huge amount for him and it feels really ungrateful and you want to defend yourself. But I think the person you should be defending yourself to should be a therapist, you know, somebody who can actually listen to you and help you with this huge load and this huge feeling of responsibility because it feels really overwhelming at the moment. So I would be thinking about what's going on between you and your husband. That's the bit that really interests me, because you said that the two of you can't communicate with him. I wonder how well you can communicate with each other. I wonder how much you fight over the approach of how to deal with him. So I want you to listen to several of my podcasts if you haven't heard them already. I have one on rites of passage, which is how men go or how boys go from boys to men. That's ones with Conroy Harris. And I think I would also like you to look at codependency and what codependency is about how you're taking so much responsibility for somebody else that you're so focused on them, you can't actually see the bits that need to be dealt with in your own life because you're about to have an adventure as well. You know, I, I love Fabian's idea of um, sending your son off into the world to have an adventure and discover who he is. You emotionally have got to do that as well because you're a different person now from the woman who gave birth to your son. What do you want who are you? What's happening next in your life? Those are the things that you really need to focus on. But at the moment, you can't do that because you're focused on how much, how many marijuana cigarettes your son had last night. And, you know, I get it 100%. It must be horrible having him tearing himself apart under your roof. I mean, it just sounds like hell on earth. But listen to the codependency podcast because ultimately you've got to focus on you, what you need, who you are, uh, what makes your life meaningful. And also, I think you and your husband need to think about who we are together now that we are no longer parents as our number one job. We're now partners, I hope, as your number one job and yourself as a maybe partners as number two job, being yourself as number one job and being a parent number four or five in the list. Oof, I hope that um, I haven't spoken too harshly because I, what I also want, I want to, I want to say how, I'm going to swear, how bloody difficult this is, but I also want to challenge you as well. I hope I've got the balance right there. It's tough being a parent, isn't it, Fabian? Totally. And I agree with you. It must be horrible. I mean, I have a three-year-old boy. And if I imagine when he's 18, he, he will smoke marijuana. I 
that would be devastating to me too. And I hope it doesn't happen, but who knows, you know? So it, it, it's a lot of input for the mother, but it's easy to say from a distance. It's easy to, to tell her this, you know? But really, you, you should try to let him go, I guess. Yeah. So this is the reason why I, I'm looking for you to have a therapist or to join some kind of codependency group so yeah, that, that that will also help you focus more on yourself and less on your husband, uh, less on your son. Yes, and totally. there was a bit of a there was a little bit of a slip there. I nearly said husband, and I wonder if your son has become almost like a surrogate or became almost like a surrogate partner to you, and so your relationship with your husband disintegrated over those particular years and needs to be rebuilt up again. Anyway, I will leave you to think about all of those things. Ah, my gosh, we've gone deep today, Fabian. <laughs> Yeah, I hope I hope it was all right. I have to say again, sorry for my broken English. It was not so easy for me to talk about this in English, but I hope the listeners can take something from it. Well, I think you did really well. But I need to ask you, as my witness on The Meaningful Life, what makes your life meaningful? What makes my life meaningful? The feeling that I'm here for a reason, that makes my life meaningful. And kind of the feeling that it's my job to find out that <laughs> that reason, so that I'm on a mission to find out this. That's also, that gives meaning to my life. Apart from being a parent on all this, of course, in the, in the real life and in materialization of life, there's so much going on, which gives meaning, right? On the, on the day to day basis. And at this moment, when you've got a small baby, it's sort of, almost impossible not to be overwhelmed with the father stuff, but that's just part exactly. of a much longer journey, isn't it? Exactly. Absolutely. And me being a mature father, I'm 47, as I said, and I have a baby now. And my first son was born when I was 44. So there was a lot of life before that, of lived life, I have to say. So there's a reason behind that, that I'm convinced of, and that gives me a deep meaning. So I think another thing that gives Fabian meaning is helping men get to know themselves better. And that's what we're going to be talking about in the bonus material. If you want to hear that bonus material, you can subscribe directly via Apple or Spotify. We're also available on Amazon Music. And if you want to become a supporter of The Meaningful Life and unlock the bonus material this way, here are the details. You've been listening to The Meaningful Life with Andrew G. Marshall. You can follow Andrew on Twitter, like him on Facebook, and please leave a review wherever you consume your podcasts. Making, editing, and distributing The Meaningful Life comes with substantial costs, and we'd like to ask for your help. Visit our website, andrewgmarshall.com forward slash podcast, where you can join our supporters club and unlock bonus material for every program, send in a letter to be discussed by Andrew and his guests, and join a community of other people seeking to make their life meaningful. At the gold level, you get even more benefits. Production of The Meaningful Life with Andrew G. Marshall is by Michael Dooney. Social media by Madeleine Healy. Sound engineering and theme tune by Sebastian de la Luz Mendoza. And I'm Susie Collick. Please tell your friends and spread the word. Thank you.